today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, Broadway in Canada extend mask requirements, and the cruise industry is plagued by crew shortages in key destinations. Those stories next in the news. Have you ever heard of the longest flight first strategy? In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, Mark reveals the intelligence behind getting closer to your destination on the first flight of your trip. Reviews from Memorial Day weekend are in, airports are crowded, restaurants are overwhelmed, and COVID is waiting for you. So do you stay home? Not a chance. We discuss some ways to avoid the crowds and be a little safer this summer at 335. What's the best hotel loyalty program? WalletHub has the results for 2022, and we're going to share them with you at 350. Thanks for making us a part of your Sunday afternoon. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again Friends, how are you? Mark and Tom, the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations with you. Don't forget, links to our special guests and all more things to make you a smarter traveler at TravelGuysRadio.com. Well, uh, hi, Mark. How you doing? Nice weather, huh? Hey there. Hi there. Ho there. Oh, don't Were you having a flashback? Isn't that the way that the Mickey Mouse Club started? A hundred thousand years ago, when we were both kids. Well, you know, uh, most everything, most everything I say, you had a uh, flashback. There is a is a result of ripping something off that I either saw or heard. So well, I just what figured it was heck? it was in your brain there somewhere, and it just kind of popped up at that moment in time. Anyways, well, you know, I'm it was kind of like this. Once I once I got hi there, and then once I said ho there, uh-huh. uh, you know, I, I had to finish it. You know. <laughs> Hey there, hi there, and then you you got to go ho. I mean, that's all there is to it. Hi. Anyway, um, nice weather. Got a little bit of rain. I uh, got to had to roll back the the uh, rug underneath my gazebo and let it dry out. For it has now rain. it has now officially rained more in the month of June in Sacramento yep. than it did in the month of January. Just like that, huh? Yeah. What kind of what kind of odds could you have gotten on that at the beginning of the year that it would rain more in June than it would rain in in January? So how are you However, doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I was just going to point out we have mentioned to people that may want to travel to Florida and so forth that uh, hurricane season is upon us, and uh, as we can see in the news, I saw people trudging up to the uh, Giants baseball game there in uh, at Marlin Stadium. They had to walk through. Uh, knee-deep water t- to get to the indoor stadium, which was all nice and dry. But Yeah, uh, and then they have to go home after the game is over, <laughs> which is the other downside to all of that. Miami is a cool town. I, I mean, really and truly, it's Miami is where Latin America meets Caucasian America. And it, it's right. it, it, Miami is, I don't know that I'd want to live there, but Miami is a city that is ever in, in movement. 
doesn't mm-hmm. matter what time of the day or what day of the week, something is going on somewhere. It's a pretty cool place. Yeah, it is. And uh, and then glad to see the Giants, uh, for those of you Giants fans, uh, not, no spoiler alert here, they played an early game. Yeah. Kind of nice to get a win uh, going into the travel show where where, where we can be we can be real upbeat about at least that don't have to have one eye on the television set you know during the you uh, yeah exactly during during the travel program which begins with a newscast i understand oh yeah that's right at the top of every travel guys radio show we bring you up to date on what's been going on in the travel news and uh, thanks to Huey with the intro and the news, Mark has it. Mark, give us the news. Yes, yeah, somebody asked friend. me, why do you play that song at that point in the program every time? I said, well, it's Huey Lewis. They said, well, yeah. yeah, so what? I said, Huey Lewis and the news. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's a stretch. Uh, Canada has, <laughs> yeah, but it's a fun stretch. It is. Um, Canada has uh, extended their border restrictions through the 30th of June. If you're headed to Canada... This month, what it means, you don't have to have a test to get into the country, but you do have to use something called the Arrive Can, C-A-N app, to submit travel information, including where you're going in and your proof of vaccination and all that stuff. Um, And it is possible that you could be randomly selected for instant testing as you cross the border. So that has happened to a couple of our travelers. Fortunately, they tested negative and were able to continue. So um, the the challenge here, though, is that you still have to have a negative COVID test to get back into the United States. And that is proving to be a real challenge for some people. And also there's a cost attached to it. And you've got a, a time deadline. So, yes. They're not going to uh, allow you to bring your own home test, use it and, and show them. On the spot, you've got to do a PCR, and you got to do it through them. Exactly. Is that the deal? Exactly. Okay. And as someone pointed exactly. out to me the other day, if you test positive for COVID, you don't want to test out with a PCR test because a PCR test will show you testing positive most likely for long after you have ceased to be contagious because it's still in your system. Anyways, did you hear the one about the traveler who flew to North Carolina with 23 pounds of cocaine hidden in his wheelchair? Uh, you know, I, I saw a picture of his wheelchair on the news. It, uh, it was a real cruiser. It was, yeah. it was the it was the big stuffed one. Was it the lump with What's cocaine? The, the big lumps that gave him away, or uh, yeah, whatever made him think that you could get yeah into the country with a wheelchair. It's creative, though. I have to have to handle it. Hand him to that. Hand that to him. Hospitality industry jobs are still below pandemic levels. The job report last week showed 390,000 jobs, added 84,000 of them in the hospitality sector, which was the largest number of any industrial sector. However, um, the hospitality industry is still down about 12% from the number of people that worked there at the beginning of the summer of 2019. My guess is that if you travel this summer, you'll probably notice that someplace along the way. A couple of weeks ago, we threw in a little news story. We were just talking about going to national parks and stuff this summer, and we said, you know, if you go to national parks, there's a reason they call it wildlife. Yes. Because, you know, stay away. And so here comes the AP report from uh, yesterday. Bison Gore's Yellowstone visitor tosses her 10 feet, park officials say. I, I don't know if it was a contest and. You know, it was ten feet or fifteen feet, but anyway, the buffalo, the bison. Yeah, I, didn't she? Didn't she pass? I think the the bison. Uh, she did. Her in. Yeah, yeah, she did. Um, there, she died. there you go, folks. Uh, stay away from the wildlife. Got uh, within ten feet of the animal, and the bison jumped. 
gored her, threw her 10 feet in the air. She had puncture wounds. And anyway, so it's just, it really is, uh, it really is, it is wildlife. So if you're going someplace where there is wildlife, give them a little space, because if you don't, you could end up like the lady at Yellowstone. Broad, we mentioned uh, Canada has extended their masking. Broadway has extended masks through the end of June. There are still some shows on Broadway that require proof of vaccination. So if you don't go online and check that ahead of time, make sure that you take your proof of vaccination with you if you're headed to New York to see Broadway shows. Crystal Ships, remember Crystal Cruises? That went belly up earlier this year? Yes. Yeah, the What's word, the latest? The word comes that the Crystal Symphony and the Crystal Serenity will be auctioned in June. According to a report from the trade publication Maritime Executive, the ships part of uh, defunct Crystal Cruises have been in Bahamas since the line ceased operations earlier this year. According to the report, the winning bidder would be notified by June 14th and would have a week to complete the transaction and take possession of the ships. You you have a few bucks laying around. You're an old radio you know, guy. I you, was wondering, uh, do you have a you have a price tag on uh, that? I mean, well, I've always, always wanted my own cruise ship. I mean, they were who, bankrupt, who so I mean, I'm thinking you could probably pick them up for $15, 20000000 million. I mean... Yeah, it's got to be a really depressed price. You've, and, but the only thing is that you've got to go there and haul the damn thing away within a week. So if you don't know how to drive a big cruise ship, you better take a captain with you. That would be my thought. Uh, good idea. <laughs> uh, cruise shortages, we mentioned this in the headlines, are becoming a problem for cruise lines. Norwegian Cruise Lines' Hawaii-based Pride of America um, says the cruise line says ship space on the ship is sold out through October. One of the reasons for that is because they're only operating at about 60% capacity on board. Normally, the cruise line has about 850 crew members on board to take care of people. Right now, they have a little over 500, 550. So they are limiting uh, capacity on their ship. Carnival says that they are limiting capacity on three of their ships due to a lack of crew members. So... It's the crew. The cruise industry is having a little bit of an artificial demand situation here because you go to, to sail on your favorite ship or your favorite itinerary, you might find that it's sold out. Not because so many people have beaten you to it, but because they don't have enough help to be able to run with a full staff of crew members. So you know, I'm thinking if you're going on a cruise, why not go on a ship that's half full? You know, that would be an interesting question for Gwen Duncan. I mean, clearly, if they're not going to be fully staffed, means that the number of passengers are going to be far less. Mm -hmm. So cruising now in circumstances like that, if you would like to cruise where you're not shoulder to shoulder, one of these uh, one of these ships that is only only filling up half uh, full might might be the way to go. Might be. And if you had a good travel advisor, why you might be able, that person might be able to share that information with you. And you could pick out your, instead of picking out your ship by itinerary, you pick it out by passenger load. Romano Travel Advisor. <laughs> Carnival. I like, this, I, like the, I like the ring of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your own show. Um, Carnival deploys, a Cruise Lines has deployed. A, this is kind of cool, actually. Um this is helping cruise guests access allergy information at dining venues. So you can go in when you get on a carnival ship or before you get on. You can enter all of this information, and then they will suggest things to you that line up with what your dietary restrictions are. 
on board the ship so that you and they will not suggest things to you that don't mm-hmm. line up with your restrictions. Mm-hmm. That sounds like that sounds like something whose time had come a long time ago, but yeah, somebody absolutely. just now thought about it. I mean, wouldn't that be terrific? Um, especially if you if you had a lot of food allergies or a, a couple of major allergies, things that are used in a lot of different foods and stuff like that, you know, eggs or flour right, or right. something like that. Sure, as long as they don't get the lists flipped by accident. Um, travel to Cuba has been made easier as the DOT is lifting Trump-era flight restrictions. We've talked about this for a couple of weeks. Now, you can't go down to Cuba and just lay on the beach, but you can go on an organized tour with a set itinerary that's considered an educational experience. And uh, so expect those to start <laughs> popping up soon. Scheduled and air charter services between the United States and Cuban airports can begin immediately. And when uh, during the Obama administration, when when uh, travel to Cuba was relaxed, you had to fly in and out of Havana. Now there will be nine different Cuban airports that you can fly in and out of. So that's kind of I, interesting. I, I would like to read some of those applications by uh young guys and gals who claim that they're on an educational uh, trip to to the to Cuba and to explore the uh, the local uh, the local natives or whatever and uh-huh. they still end up on the beach yeah um, here is something kind of fun this doesn't have a heck of a lot to do with travel but it has to do with cars so I thought I could slip it in um tomorrow night West Wind Drive-In Theaters, which has locations in California, Nevada, and Arizona, is hosting a $5 admission night with $1 uh, prices for children uh, from 5 to 11, only tomorrow night to celebrate the 90th anniversary of drive-in movies. We, Mr. Romano, just happen mm-hmm. to have one of those West Wind Drive-In Theaters not too far from where we live. Oh, we could almost throw a rock and hit it. Hit it here at Bradshaw and uh, Highway 50. You know, that was supposed to close permanently about 13, 14 years ago. And yep. they gave all the employees their notices, and they were going to close in two weeks. Some funding came along, and, you know, there are only, what is it, about, there's only about three dozen drive-in theaters left across the country. So we have one here in Sacramento on Monday night, $5 for adults, dollar for kids. Um, 90th my, anniversary. Yeah, my, my, my thing is go early if you're going to go, because at those prices there will probably be lots of people. But, yeah, I bet it, I bet there will be. Uh, you know, it, it it ought to be a lot of fun. Cool. Ninety years of drive-in movies. I wonder how many children got their start at drive-in <laughs> movies. You know? Yeah, 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 that's a good question. I'm sure many conceived during the second half of whatever was was going on. Yeah, there. That'll anyway, be, that'll be the that'll be the call-in portion of the back half of the show. <laughs> That's Not it. today. Not today. <laughs> we'll let you know when. That's your travel news for today. Road tripping with my two favorite allies. Hey, it's Mark Hoffman, Tom Romano. We are the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Mark, what is the what is the logic here of longest flight first strategy? I, we've we've talked about this before, but for the listeners that were not necessarily tuned in when we did. Uh, why don't you uh, run this by them and tell me what your what your thoughts are? Well, um, I, 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 I kind of sort of agree with it, although it would create some interesting itineraries. Um, for example, uh, San Francisco has a lot of nonstop flights. 
Sacramento has a growing number, but not nearly as many as San Francisco, both the domestic uh, destinations and international destinations. So taking a domestic destination here for a moment, uh, let's pretend you're going to Milwaukee. And so there are lots of ways to get to Milwaukee. And but one of them would be to fly to the closest hub airport, which would be Chicago. Milwaukee is to Chicago as Sacramento is to San Francisco, basically. Okay. So, so you're most of the way there. You're most of the way there. And so if you flew to Chicago and your f- connecting flight to Milwaukee got canceled, there are connecting flights to Milwaukee every couple hours. Mm-hmm, and there's not only mm-hmm. United flying from Chicago to Milwaukee, there's American flying from Chicago to Milwaukee. So there are a lot of ways to get there. There are also trains that could get you there. You also could rent a car and drive to Milwaukee and it's because it's only a couple hours away. Point being that if you got to Chicago – and disaster struck you in terms of cancellations, screwed up air, airlines, whatever, there are a lot more choices of ways to get to Milwaukee. Now, if you're coming back home from Milwaukee, you wouldn't fly to Chicago first and then on to Sacramento. What you would try to do if, using that theory is get as close to Sacramento as you could. So you might take a nonstop from Milwaukee back to San Francisco. Got thinking it. that if... You know, if something happened and your flight got canceled, there'd be another one in a couple hours. If worse came to worse, there are always trains and you could always rent a car and get to Sacramento. In other words, your options are much greater if you were going for a meeting or a funeral or, you know, something of a wedding, something that was time dated and you had Mm -hmm. to be there at a specific time. Then that would seem to make sense. If you were going to Aspen, Colorado, you'd fly to Denver first and then take the puddle jumper to Aspen. You wouldn't fly to Los Angeles and then take a nonstop flight to Aspen because there's only one flight a day to Aspen from Los Angeles, and the chances of it something getting screwed up would be greater. So the airlines hate this because they, they will come back on you, and they call it hidden city ticketing because what happens is sometimes people who are going to Milwaukee look up an airfare and they say, oh, Milwaukee is $399 round trip, but Chicago – is $499 round trip. So why would I not just buy a ticket to Milwaukee, get off the plane in Chicago, and walk away, throw away that part of the ticket? You'd have to have two one-way tickets, because if you threw away the flight to Milwaukee, they'd cancel your return trip. So you you buy the ticket, you never get on the plane to go to Milwaukee. Coming back home, you come home out of Chicago and just pay the higher fare. So the airlines are aware of that, and so... They are very careful about, they watch people, they have algorithms that will identify that you're doing that. But nonetheless, there's nothing wrong with the idea of flying to the closest city to, to, to get as close to your destination first. This is particularly good when you're going overseas and also on the outbound part. On the return part, you're a day late getting home unless you had something important you probably don't really care. But on the outbound, you've got a cruise to catch, you've got plans for your vacation, whatever. So once again, if you're flying to someplace in Germany, you fly nonstop to Frankfurt, and then you take a connecting flight on because, again, you've got more choices. So it's just something Travelers United had an article about this last week, and I I think it makes some sense. Now, you mentioned that there are some downsides to to this. Uh, What would those be? Well, the downsides would be if you get to where you get to that real close place 
and then you decide to rent a car. Now you've got what I was just talking about. You've got that hanging that hanging chad out there. You've got part of an air ticket that you didn't use, and the airline is going to cancel the rest of your ticket. Oh, so, okay. All right. So that's why if you're doing this um, kind of as a hidden city thing and you're, you're doing it to get out of a higher airfare, you've got to be careful. Um, and if you're doing trying to get to the closest city, obviously your itinerary would be different on the way home using my Milwaukee example. You'd fly to Chicago on the outbound. You'd fly back to San Francisco on the return if you were using those that type of philosophy. Of course, I will tell you, too, that those little puddle jumper flights from Sacramento to San Francisco, from Chicago to Milwaukee, those are the first things to get canceled when the weather goes bad or they get crew shortages or whatever because, again, they figure the airline, in some cases, will get a bus and say, hey, get on the bus and we're taking you to Milwaukee this way. You know, I have discovered flying a lot to uh, San Antonio out of Sacramento uh, I prefer, and so does the family, to get as close to or at least halfway uh, when when we travel, uh, either way, uh, it, because Southwest will offer you a lot of, let's go to San Diego first, and we'll, may, we're going to do down to LAX, and uh, you from there on to San Antonio, where, you know, getting to Phoenix or even Las Vegas mm-hmm. makes it kind of a, a couple of hours uh, each halfway. Be careful, so this. Be careful this summer because a lot of those hub airports are incredibly busy. So in the off-season, not so bad. But in the summer, um, yes, and going around your elbow to get to your rear end is not always the best idea When in the summertime. 2,000 flight cancellations alone last weekend. I love those guys. Here we are, the organically grown radio program. Mark Hoffman, Tom Romano, the Travel and Entertainment Guys. Thanks for joining us again. TravelGuysRadio.com. A little later on in the program, we got a little short interview with a gal from uh, Jill from Wallet Hub. Can talk about the uh, best hotel loyalty programs, if that's something that you're interested in. And you're going to be surprised which one they decided, which chain they decided had the best loyalty program. I'll be willing to bet you that if, if people who are listening guess out there which one it is, most of you will be wrong. So anyway, that's coming up in about uh, about 10 minutes here. I wanted to talk a, a little bit, Tom, last weekend was the beginning of the summer travel season, Memorial Day weekend, and it didn't go well. Um, there were a lot of cancellations, flight cancellations, over 2,000 of them. American Airlines says today they're parking – a hundred regional jets, and the reason is because they have no one to fly them. Oh boy! They hustled a lot of the regional jet pilots and moved them up because they were short, you know. So they hustled their training and moved them up to be able to fly mainline flights. Now they got nobody to fly the regional jets, um, so this is a problem. American says they're going to park a hundred regional jets, so that means communities that rely on those fifty and seventy seater airplanes. Um, maybe you used to have three flights a day are now only going to have one or two flights a day. So, again, if you're flying to a secondary or tertiary city this summer for your vacation or to visit friends or relatives or something like that, uh, keep an eye on your flight arrangements because they could change, and they could change rather dramatically. As we found as a tour company uh, this summer, about a month ago, Southwest decided that they were going to start their day about uh, 45 minutes earlier than they had, 
All of the Pacific Northwest flights that were scheduled for mid-morning now are leaving. Uh, the Seattle flight leaves at 5.05. The Portland flight leaves at between 5.15 and 5.45, depending on um, the day of the week. So if you're traveling with Sports Leisure Vacations North this summer, um, guess what? You're probably flying on the early morning red-eye. Um, because if your flight leaves at five o'clock, it means you're getting up around two. So, uh, to be able to go. So it's the airlines are trying to extend the day a little bit. And I thought that it would be good to give folks a few, to go over a few of the things we've talked about before, Tom, about, you know, kind of how not to get canceled, little tips and things. It bums me out that I have to take a 545 flight to go to Portland in a few weeks to start a beginning of a, of a tour that goes down the Oregon coast. But the good news about that is that plane will be sitting here on the ground overnight. So the, cha- the chances of it being late in the morning are really, really slim unless they go to start the engine and it doesn't, doesn't start. Um, they can't tow the, get the plane up to the gate. Then you're going to leave on time. Whereas if you have a flight that's leaving at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 7 o'clock in the evening, then that plane's going to do a lot of other flying uh, flying before it gets to you. So whether or not it will be on time is a lot more problematic. So that goes to one of the things we've mentioned before on this show, and that is the early bird gets the worm or the on-time flight. So if you are looking at flights and you're thinking, well, gee, do I take the – one that leaves before the sun comes up or the one that leaves at 10 o'clock in the morning, think about the fact that the one that leaves before the sun comes up, the plane is probably on the ground from the night before. So unless it doesn't come in the night before, for some reason, it's going to be on time and depart on time in the morning. So that first flight out thing is really something, you know, we were talking in the last segment about taking the longest flight first. Well, that first flight out thing is kind of a, kind of a hidden thing that most people don't think about in terms of you know getting a flight that's on time plus you're more more likely if you're connecting your connecting flight is going to be earlier in the day so less chance that it can be uh that it can screw you up also if your flight does get canceled a lot of folks would say well you know i'll just sit here and wait and in a few minutes my phone will beep and the airline will tell me that they have rebooked me on something that will get me there Uh, fairly close to when I had hoped to get there. Maybe so, but maybe not. Um, Experts used to say, just wait for the airline to book you. Now experts rebook you. Experts now say, when your flight is canceled, get on the phone, get on your app, get on whatever it is, and start uh, start looking for replacements because you can't, uh, that, that next flight that goes, is being quickly booked up by people who are at the counter, who are on the phone, etc. And indeed, um, if you just sit there and wait, you may find that your arrangements aren't quite what they could have been, um, especially if you're not a status flyer within that within that airline. Now, uh, in regards to COVID, and people are trying to decide, well, should I travel? Should I not travel? You know, I mean, what's your advice? Well, you know, I went a couple weeks ago to Hawaii. Um, we at Sports Leisure Vacations have had a couple of groups come back in the last two months and have multiple COVID positives once they got home. We had a gentleman who was positive in Hawaii. So just because you're traveling, don't think that you're immune to this. You, you may have noticed that Sacramento County went up to the, the highest 
level because of the number of cases and stuff that we have uh, here in just the last couple of days. So what we were talking about before certainly applies. If you want to be uh, concerned about yourself and the people around you, if you've got one of those symptoms before you leave that (coughs) that dry hacking cough or your nose is running or your throat is sore and you're thinking, well, it's probably just a cold or it's just allergies, probably not. Um, It's entirely possible that you now have COVID. And so if you did little home test and it came up positive, you would be totally bummed and you wouldn't be able to go on your vacation. But you also might not infect two dozen people along the way. And you might not get sicker yourself because now you know that that you've got it. You can stay home and take care of yourself. So uh, from a COVID standpoint, I think one of the best things that you can do is if you're exhibiting any type of symptoms at all, Don't say, well, this is just that allergy that I usually get this time of the year. Go get a home test. The government will send you eight of them for free and test yourself before you go. And if you test positive, then that's that's your sign that you're not supposed to be going on that vacation. Uh, Good advice. I'm with you there. You know, uh, we've discussed restaurants, Mm -hmm. crowds that are you're going to find there. do you think, uh, and for how long do you think that the restaurant industry, we also talked about how that people are coming back, and in that particular category, more people are being hired than in a lot of others. Uh, should folks still continue to expect uh, long waits at restaurants, uh, shortage of tables, maybe a restaurant that would normally seat 150 now is only going to do 75? Any advice in regards to uh, when you should book a, a dining uh, event for yourself while you're on vacation. It goes back to what we, we talked about some before, and I witnessed this in, in Hawaii. A lot of people have been taught their jobs, but they haven't learned their jobs. They're brand new, and so someone has taught them, you know, situation A, situation B, situation C. These are the things that come up most often, so this is how you handle them. But nobody told them about situation D because it doesn't come up as often. And so when it comes up and it's you or the guy in line in front of you, then the person is – we're talking about experience. And that's one thing we've lost a lot of in the hospitality industry. We have a lot of people who are really inexperienced. They know how to check you into your room, but, oh, you need extra towels? And it's 730. The housekeepers have all gone home. That person may not immediately know – how to solve that problem. So it might take them three or four or five minutes to solve it. Meanwhile, if you're the next guy in line, then your service is suffering a little bit. Same thing with restaurants. We've talked about, um, you know, don't go during the peak period. Try not to dine between 6 and 7.30. It's the same thing with hotels. If you're going to check in at 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the afternoon, it's the busiest time for check-in. If the hotel's down a front desk person, then it's going to be a lot slower. But if you maybe went and checked in at 4 o'clock and then went and ran that errand or ran the errand or went and had dinner first and then came back to the hotel and checked in at 7 or 7.30, you might find that the lines would be a little shorter. Here's another thing to think about. We talked about, and you mentioned, the hurricane season has started now. The first tropical storm is making its way through Florida as we speak, causing flooding and stuff like that. There are going to be worse storms. Think about this. If you're you're thinking about going to the southern part of the country, not only is it as humid as hell for the next couple, three months, but your chances of running into a big storm are definitely increased. So if you don't have to go at that time of the year, then go at a different time. 
or at, at the bare minimum, be watching the weather forecast. Because if you're moving into something like folks who were headed to Miami this weekend, if you followed the weather forecast, you would have known there was a pretty good chance that something was going to happen to you when you get there. Or if you had a connecting flight in Miami, being able to get in and get out might be problematical. So, again, it's amazing how many people say, well, you know, I'm flying to Atlanta the 1st of September. Well, the 1st of September is the peak of the hurricane season. If you don't have to go then, why would you go? So, again, it's a little bit of homework um, and a little bit of that F word again, flexibility, being willing to understand the fact that, you know, some of the people in the hospitality industry are incredibly overworked. At this point, they are probably not as underpaid as they used to be, but they're incredibly overworked. So you you may have to, you know, grin and bear it or suck it up or just say, well, you know, service isn't as good as, as it usually is here. That may not be the intention of this wonderful restaurant that I've always gotten great service at to give me lousy service. It's just the fact that they're down four people in the kitchen today. There you go. And, of course, we talked about how if you uh – uh if you need to cancel because of bad weather, a hurricane, and you got a hotel and a stay and whatever it may be, a cruise would even be worse. Uh, once that hurricane has got a name, the opportunity to cancel because of it goes out the window. So if you're going to do it, you're thinking it's going to be bad, whatever, check with your travel advisor and cancel uh, before it's too late. And remember, one one last tip here before we go is... Um, There are some slow days to fly. The 4th of July will be a slow day to fly because people are going to be with their families that day. Labor Day itself, Labor Day itself, not the weekend around it, but Labor Day itself will be a good day to fly, just like Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff like that. So if you're looking at ridiculous fares and it's hard to get what you want, consider the possibility of flying on one of those days when maybe everybody else isn't flying. Hey there, it's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano. We are your travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Remember, links to our special guests can be found at TravelGuysRadio.com. We uh, oftentimes will read results of surveys from our friends at WalletHub, and then from time to time, we get a hold of Jill Gonzalez. She's an analyst for WalletHub to talk about uh, in depth some of the some of the surveys and some of the information that that she provides. Mark, uh, what are we going to be talking to Jill about today? Well, Tom, um, Wallet Hub's latest is 2022's best hotel rewards programs, and since we are kind of an advocate here at Travel Guys of folks belonging to these programs, um, and and. We thought that Jill could tell us here who has the best program, what the criteria is for it, and what some of the savings are. Jill, welcome to the Travel Guys. Thanks for having me. So, Jill, tell us um, who got the top spot for this year and and some of the criteria that allowed them to come out on top. Well, we really looked at 21 different metrics, so try to be as holistic as possible here. That ranges from point values to blackout dates. Uh, to, you know, booking for free. So all of these different things. We also looked at the type of traveler that's going to be utilizing them. So we looked at light, moderate, and heavy hotel spending profiles. So that covers about 60% of people. 
Okay. And which hotel chain did WalletHub determine in their using their criteria was the top had the top rewards program for this year? This year, and it was very close. This year, Radisson Rewards Americas was the number one program that had a score of 74 out of 100. Uh, very close to it was World of Hyatt with a score of about 73. Uh, and after that was Wyndham Rewards. And, and further down the list are the two giants of of the hotel industry, Marriott and Hilton, who not only have a, a plethora of brands of their own, but have swallowed up a, a number of of other brands. Um, Radisson at the top spot is a little bit surprising, but when you mention your criteria, Jill, it sounds as though Radisson must have excelled in some of the categories that are perhaps not as visible, um, like availability and and things of that sort. As we've talked before the interview started, the, the major chains now are doing are floating their point totals. Um, they call it dynamic pricing. Um, I have a word for it, too, but we can't use it on the radio. But Radisson is perhaps less guilty of this. I'm a member of their of their program. I can't remember a time looking for a Radisson property where it wasn't available to me. Yeah, so Radisson really excelled when it came to two pretty big categories, which is earning policies, ranked first for earning policies, and really good options for redemption as well. So earning policies, you know, how easy is it basically to earn your points with them that's something that it did well a kind of a complaint i think for you and a lot of other people across a lot of these programs lately and redemption policies are are great so there's not a lot of blackout dates there's a high percentage of hotels with award night availability uh there's both far in advance and short notice reservations so all of those things helped out well, and it doesn't help to pile up all those points and then go and find out that, you know, the event that you wanted to attend or sting, either, either the points have been blacked out, points rooms, free rooms have been blacked out for that time period, or they've been elevated to such a large point total as to make, as to eliminate any real value, you, the number of points that you have to use in order to get free rooms. Wallet Hub says that hotel rewards programs save their members money. All of us like to save money when we're traveling. How much savings and where do those savings usually come from? Yeah, so right now we're seeing at least for 2022 that the best hotel rewards programs save members an average of 12%. Uh, So a lot of that comes from essentially your value. You know, for instance, Wyndham Rewards offers up to around $13 in rewards value per $100 spent. So that's kind of at the height here, what we're seeing. Um, And a lot of that is just due to, again, any type of perks that you're getting or usually free rooms. Our special guest is Jill Gonzalez. She's an analyst for Wallet Hub here on the Travel Guys. I can see here from some of the information that you sent me that um, Wallet Hub breaks it into a light traveler, a moderate traveler, and a heavy traveler in terms of how much that how much spend you might have over the course of a year with a um, with a hotel. And of course, those of us who use uh, as a tour operator, uh, we use a tremendous number of hotels. So um, we're able to pile up a lot of points and things that we can use for staff members and the like to 
be able to further develop product and things. My guess is that most folks who are playing this game are using it for vacations or for when people come to visit them for that when they don't have room in the house and they need that little extra little extra room or something like that. Um, Jill, anything in particular that people should be looking for as they if they're looking to join a hotel rewards program? Is there any one or two things? I mean, I know you, we've we've gone over this now talking about geographic and award availability. But is there for the general public, if somebody's just logging on to a website, is there something in particular that they should be looking for? Well, I think, you know, those things that we waited most heavily. So how can you earn points? You know, is it easy to earn points? And how can you redeem them? You know, that's, I think, really the nuts and bolts of it, what it really comes down to. So make sure that you're reading the fine print and whatever the way to do either of those things are, make sure that that's easy for you to do. You know, you don't want to kind of change your life for this program. You want a program that fits yours. So I would say that's really what to look out for. And if you can't decide what type of traveler you are, light, medium, heavy, we actually have a calculator, so you can plug in how much you think you spend annually on hotel stays, click a button, and this will figure out which the best program is for you. Ah, we will put a link to um, the survey and to that little tool at TravelGuysRadio.com if you are interested in doing a little homework of your own. Joe Gonzalez, analyst for Wallet Hub, thank you for joining us today to talk about hotel reward programs. Appreciate your time. Anytime. Have a good one. Well, uh, did you guess? Did you guess right? Did you guess Radisson? I bet you a lot of folks did not. So interesting, Mark, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, the, the criteria that uh, that they used, most yeah. importantly, is um, it easy to earn points and what? is it easy to use them? Yeah, well, it's easy to earn points. Just take out a new credit card and they'll give you a, a whole bunch of points. But whether those points are of any value or not also um, – we mentioned there at the end in the pre-recorded interview that um, she had a calculator where you could go to TravelGuysRadio.com and figure out which was the best program. Um, she misspoke. The calculator that is in their website has to do with credit card payments and when you can pay them off. has nothing to do with the hotel thing. So the Wallet Hub people, once again, have kind of misled us a little bit. Um, anyways, um, interesting that Radisson came out on top. There's going to be a new uh, show on Broadway. It's called Titanic. It's going to be a comedy huh? about the Titanic. Um, oh, I can no. only imagine. We'll have some more on that later. Um, next week, we are going to have a lady on the program who I think is going to be a pretty interesting guest. Um, Jessica Nabongo is uh, a lady who has traveled to all 195 countries that are recognized by the United Nations on the planet. So um, if she doesn't have some – she's been literally everywhere – so, or at least touched a little bit of everywhere. So she'll be joining us next week and talk a little bit about um, issues that female travelers and people of color encounter when they're traveling around the planet. And also, she's been to all of these places. She's got to have some fascinating stories to share with us. So she will be with us next week here on The Travel Guys. All right. And don't forget now, it's the 90th anniversary of Drive-In Movies. Yep. And 100th anniversary of KFBK. Uh and the West Wind Drive-In uh, doing a $5 deal. Better better get there early for the 90th anniversary party. All right, uh, my friends, uh, you, you stay well. Take care of yourselves. We'll look forward to seeing you next week here on The Travel Guys. Mark? Dance like nobody's watching. We'll see you next Sunday.